Welcome to All About the Benefits. This show is dedicated to helping you better understand the world of benefits so that you can better serve those that serve you. And now, here's your host, Lori Jewett. Hello again, you guys. Good morning. Welcome back. I am super excited today. We um, are on episode two of, or part two of a 30-part series that Kyle and I decided to do. I think by the end of it, it's going to be like a 75-part series. <laughs> um, but we had so much fun a couple of weeks ago that we decided to do it again. So welcome back, Kyle and the little ones. <laughs> yeah, she, she, like, as soon as we hit record, she's like, oh, I better go over there and get something from dad. Well, she has to make her appearance. <laughs> she does. Always. But yes, episode two of God knows what. And I am happy for every episode. So let's do it. I think we need an in-person one. I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm like, okay, October, surely we can find somewhere to record an in-person podcast. That could be like episode 30. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about coming to the event and doing yeah. one? Yeah. As soon as you release tickets, I'm getting mine. Because if I don't, something will come up in my brain. So I'm like, I told you, and I'm committing as soon as tickets go on sale. That gives me an idea. I'll, I'll hold it. I'll hold off on it, though. We'll talk, oh, we'll talk if, offline. If, but that, that gives me a really interesting idea that might fill some space I have at the event. Is it is it to have Doug Mitchell bring his podcast uh, trailer? Because that's what I was like. Oh, you need to have Doug Mitchell bring his trailer up there. <laughs> we'll no, talk I'm, later. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if maybe we do like a live podcast on stage. That would be awesome. I don't. I don't. I don't know how it works. It like literally just popped into my head, but maybe we can. Maybe we can figure something out. See, we're already hustling. Like it's, it's not even nine thirty in the morning, and we're coming up with ideas. Well, this is how. So I want to thank you for starters. Because you gave me the confidence to ask um, both Miranda and Caitlin on my show. Mm -hmm. And both of those episodes were already recorded and aired. They were amazing. Oh, and I the key it. theme of both of them was just do it. Just, you know, like I still have Miranda's cookbook in my hand. We were talking about her cookbook. And I, I listened to the episode again. I think it was yesterday or the day before that I listened to it in the truck. And I, I was cracking up because I'm like, are you kidding? You missed a flight. So you wrote a cookbook like who does that? She's she's such a unique person. Like like her her energy is what makes her her. Um, yeah. And and I think I told it at the on the, our last episode together, Lori, about how both of our our events came to be. Is we were both just sitting there and we're just like, no, you just have to do it. Just do it. Like stop thinking, just do it. And that that mindset is so incredibly crucial to success. Like any successful person you saw, they're successful it boils down to one reason because they just did it. They just tried. They, they didn't stand back and go, Oh no, I can't do it. Or, Oh no, I'm too scared. What if I fail? It was literally just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. Now we've got people like myself, Miranda, you, where we know the fear is just not there. Like I said, if, if I, if I'm scared of something, I immediately try it immediately. I think you had different... put, didn't you post that yesterday? I feel like you uh, I think I, did, I know I posted about it recently. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing. And that was kind of like the key thing with talking to both of them of just try it. And, you know, I don't know if you've listened to the episode of me and Miranda yet, but a friend of mine texted me and she's like, so I was trying to squeeze it out on my lunch break and I put it on one and a half speed. And she said, you can't have you and Miranda on one and a half speed. It sounds like chipmunks. Cause we both talk so fast. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way you what Miranda at regular speed is insanely fast. If you put and, her on one and a half for two, you're, you're liable to like explode your player. 
Well, the feedback I got from everybody was that she and I feed, feed off each other's energy really well. And so by the end of it, we, we sounded like chipmunks without you. Know, <laughs> he was like, can we slow it down? Let's put it on like half speed. <laughs> but so super excited to have you back. We we talked a lot last time about, um, you know, just authenticity and being yourself. And um, I think that's been the key theme of I, I'm working on rebranding the podcast and I don't know exactly what direction I want to go in, but I think it needs to be something about that, you know, taking action, authenticity, because every episode seems to go there. And I love that, again, you're talking to the kids and taking care of the kids. And I got a text as soon as our episode, our last episode aired, I got a text from someone that said that it was her favorite of my show yet. And she's like, she's my like 6 a.m. every Monday. If there's not an episode posted, she's harassing me about it. So she's heard everyone. Um, she lumped you and I in with, uh, oh, I can't remember who she lumped us in with, but she said that she had three favorite podcasts and it was yours, mine, and then like not Joe Rogan, but somebody at that level. So I was like, dang, yay me and Kyle. But she said her yours was her favorite so far because you had the kids and you were making it work. And she's pregnant with baby number two and a little nervous about how that's going to work. So I love that you're still sitting there talking to Brinley and. <laughs> yeah, she's she's definitely like in a mood today. I just gave her the first starburst of the episode. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Buddy, I don't have any more. I gave you a donut. I'm a, I, I have a great, great diet for my kids. Starburst and donuts. That's how we that's how we make things happen. You know what? Um, that's gotten me through 40 years. I. I can survive off that. Dean asked what I needed from the grocery store. And I'm like, um, Oreos. That's about it. Oh, I love it. But no, it's like, I love hearing stuff like that because when I, you know, when I started my podcast, you know, I have all these, I had all these like grandiose dreams of, you know, being on the charts and I don't know, a million other things. But at the end of the day, like it's gotten to the point where I've done so many, both from being a guest and to being a host that it's like, I just enjoy it. Right. It's it's fun just getting to talk to people, developing friendships and relationships and just being me like that authenticity we were talking about. I will always, always, always be me like it never, ever, ever fails. And I think one of the things that I find the most interesting is that the more real I am, the more me I am. There seems to be more people that will think I'm not being real. And I always thought that was really, really, really interesting. I'm like, so am I not being real or was I not being real for a long time leading up to who I am now? And it led to some like serious soul searching. So there, there's the first deep part of our episode today. Well, I mean, that makes, it makes sense though, that because it is hard because our whole lives we're kind of almost hardwired to not show certain parts of ourselves in our life. Right. We're because traditionally, especially, you know, after 2020 and so many people working from home, it's, you know, you're supposed to, you know, not have your your kids or your pets or anything like that. And I think it helps people understand that you don't have to. I, this I'm going to episode air this episode in uh, video just so you guys can see this because it's the best. <laughs> it is so like crazy today. She has just been like insane. Like, <laughs> she woke up at like five. And I was like, no, you can get your butt back in bed. Like, we're not waking up at 5 a.m. today. And she's she's yelling at her brother now. Like, she's she's crazy today. J Brindley. Yeah. This is nuts. Brindley Christine, do you want to what this do you want? Authentic. This is what people need. This is what people want and crave is the the reality. Because yeah. if you 
you know, hire a nanny to come and watch the kids and you go in a soundproof room and do your podcast, then everybody is thinking, oh, Kyle's life is so perfect. He has, you know, has all this together. When in all reality, you got kids needing Starburst and donuts and waters banging on the door. But this way it's people can be like, oh, okay, so this is normal. Yeah, it, it really is normal. Like it's, I, I guess, like I said, when I first started, um, yes, here, take another donut. I don't care. I don't care. Your donut? Fine. Here, do you have a plate? Oh, you, you want one too? We're going for two donuts? All right, here's one for you. If you could just slip one of those through the camera, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Okay, here. There's your plate. There's your plate. There's your plate. Okay, everybody go be quiet. But yes, there. I don't ever want somebody looking at me and saying, oh my gosh, he's he's got it all together. His it's, life is perfect because I used to be those people that would look at people and be like, oh my God, their life's so perfect. And it used to almost give me either imposter syndrome or hold me back because I was like, I can never do that. I've got three kids. I've got a wife with health issues. I've got all this stuff going on. Like, how can I possibly even get there? Like, I shouldn't even try. So when I realized and just embraced what I call the complete shit show that is my life, um, that a lot of it changed. Like I, I said on the last episode, I used to take Brinley to, to client meetings. I used to love her. Now she's the Tasmanian devil, but <laughs> it's, it, it's just so important to embrace who you are and all of it. Like no matter how crazy you think your life is, just show it deal with it, embrace it. And that was such a game changer for me. You know, every, every post that I have just been, that I've gone back and forth on, do I share this? Do I, do I share this story? The reality of it, every post or anything like that, that I've been super authentic in and just like, honestly scared to post. Those are the ones that get me phone calls afterwards, not bad phone calls. Yeah. Hey, that I can relate to this. And you know, this, that helped me to know that I'm not alone. And you know, I, so everybody knows that I am working on the endless book that's never going to be done. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what I, I think I might do? I think I, I seriously considered getting like sponsor stuff made up and like, so it has to be done by any event I decide to, to sponsor. But anyway, so in the oh, book, we call I, that foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just going to get this stupid thing done. Well, I sent what I have. I know you're not supposed to let other people read it outside of your publisher and editor, but I've sent it to two people. Um, one being the person who wrote my foreword. Um, yeah, my foreword's done. My book is not. Um, but the thing that they said is that it was the authenticity of it and the realness. Like a friend of mine who knows me very, very well, one of my best friends is one of the people who read it. And she said, um, she's like, I had no idea. Should I was reading this and just bawling my eyes out and feeling for you. And I'm like, that was hard to write. Like I did not want to tell the stories about, you know, growing up as a teenager with undiagnosed ADHD and being misdiagnosed with everything else and medicated for all these incorrect things. But because I shared that, it has led her to a potential diagnosis on one of her kids. So I'm like, good. Okay. So apparently it's, we have that. Like I, I, good thing I put it out there, I guess. It's just so impactful when you see moments like that and you have moments like that because it shows that what you're doing really does make a difference. And that's another one of those things that like imposter syndrome creeps in with a lot of people. I know people on really big levels that are still sitting there thinking, you know, are people listening? Are people watching? Do they care that this guy with hundreds of millions of dollars struggles with ADD? Yes. 
they do. Does do they care that this guy or this woman who makes twenty thousand dollars a year on a side hustle and is struggling tooth and nail to to make ends meet? Do they care that she's struggling with, you know, trying to get healthy? Yes, yes. It, it, that's the the whole point of it. Is yes. No matter what your story is, no matter how scared you are to tell it, if it impacts at least one person and makes a positive change, it's worth telling it. I usually like when it comes to making really vulnerable posts, if if I post it and then within like 20 minutes, my wife calls me and is like, I can't believe you shared that. Then I know it's a good post. <laughs> it's going to impact some lives. Yeah, that's that's my barometer. If she's if she like second guesses what I post, I know I did a good post. <laughs> well, I think and you know, it's been brought to my attention a lot lately, just having conversations with people. You know, we're we're part of, you know, a, a mastermind that's full of mostly like-minded people. So we're told constantly, your test is your testimony, your message, your message, you know, all of those things. But in the grand scheme of things, we're what, 2,000 people in like the billions. So it's important for us to take that lesson and teach other people that, hey, my life's messy too. I'm being tested. Like I haven't, I haven't hidden anything that's going on. I have clients calling me. They're like, hey, so are you still with the company? And I'm like, I am, but look at me. I'm happy now because I'm just an agent. I just get to do what I want. You know? <laughs> so that's that's so profound right there. I am, but I'm happy now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that that happiness is so, so crucial. And you know, the the mastermind that I well, you are, I am am no longer in that mastermind, actually. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Um, just, just, just very temporarily. Like I, I had to, I pivoted the company and pivoted the brand, and I had to put all of my energy into that transitional period. I am planning on being back in like, I hopefully a few weeks. Um, but the the masterminds and stuff, like they're so powerful, they're so important because they, they really the, the benefit I got from them was more about how to be happy with who I am. Exactly, that was probably the most powerful thing for me. And, and you said it, right? Like that coworker. Yeah. Right. Client. Yeah. I'm with the company. I'm just happy. That's so, so insanely important because I see all these people that are at these jobs that suck. Right. And they don't suck just because I'm like, God, I never want to do that. They suck because they suck the life out of people. Exactly. Like I, I will say the teaching profession, for example, the teaching profession now that I've I know somebody that's in it firsthand, I don't know how there's not a high suicide rate. Like that's that's like really deep and morbid. But no, it's I get it. The way senior faculty, staff, and administration treats people is terrifying. At one point, I know a teacher who <clears throat> at one of their schools, they said um, the day they were hired. Or their first day of school, they said, I will always, always, always advocate for the students first. That's my job. I will always do what's right for the students over anybody else. And the response from the principal of that school to that teacher was the second you said that, that made me put a target on your back. And it's like, holy shit. And it's like that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. I, I know I, I know teacher. I, I I don't think I know a single teacher that either has not left or has said hasn't said this is the worst profession to be in. Mm-hmm. I have and a lot of clients that are teachers and I hear it a lot that it's awful. 
awful. So that, that happiness, like being an entrepreneur, it was terrifying for me at first. It was, it was a scary, scary, scary leap. Um, and then after like six months, even though I was still struggling to really gain my footing, because it takes a, a few years to get your, your stuff off the ground. Um, I sat down and, and somebody said to me at one of my old places of work, we were still in a group chat together. And they said, what would it take for you to come back? What, or what would it, what would it take? Yeah. What would it take for you to come back to the company? And I left the company on good terms, very, very good terms. I, I was, it was Comcast. Um, and, and I've, I've said it, they're the best company I ever worked for. So outside of myself, the best. Um, and my response was, you know, what? I, I wouldn't even consider an interview if it weren't for anything, if it were for anything less than starting salary of 250 base. And, and this like really pissed this guy off who now coincidentally is no longer with that company either. <laughs> um, but he's like, how can you say it? You think you're better than us because we don't make that. And I was like, I was like, it's not, I was like, first off, I don't make that right now. This was still very early on in my entrepreneurial journey. And I said, I don't make that right now. I said, but I am so happy with the freedom that I have that I don't know what would I don't know what it would take to get me to walk away from this. I work my ass off, but I'm happy. I'm not answering to anybody. I can make the decisions. I get to decide who I do and don't work with. And I work from home. I'm with my kids all day, every day, which back then was great. <laughs> Okay, you just said something that I want to pause on because you said I get to choose who I work with or work with who I want, however you worded that. Mm -hmm. I, I literally told a client that the other day. So I went to a place that I only go once a year because it's like three hours away. And I was talking to the you know main person and somebody said something about just, I look happier. And I'm like, so here's a secret. I said, I got to choose who I wanted to keep working with. And for anybody that is listening to this that I did not choose to keep working with, I only had to... Yeah. So anyway, hopefully none of them listen to this because I'm like, I just realized I'm like, oh, hmm. um, but I'll, I'll help you out after your, your statement. Well, it, I, I got to put my energy where it needed to be instead of on what I felt like was this. And I'm very grateful for the years that I've had in leadership. Super grateful. But the last two years of it literally were like you said earlier, sucking the life out of me because we were, you know, trying to interview people who didn't want to come to work and just wanted to keep their unemployment and bringing people on and training them for them to be like, Oh, just kidding. I, you know, and it was, it was like, a ha I'm doing my hands trying to get a hamster wheel. That's what I felt like I was on, like just a cycle. And when this lady said something to me a couple of days ago, I'm like, I get to choose who I want to work with. I get to choose who I want to spend my time and energy on. I can, you know, say, okay, I don't think this is a fit anymore. And not have like a whole bunch of backlash. It's nice. <laughs> it, it really is. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this on my podcast too. Um, about, you know, when to hire and fire a client. And, you know, it's, you, you said something that, or you, you exhibited something that was very important. Like you didn't want to offend the people that you chose to not continue to work with. Um, and that's, that's very key. And there are people that I have chosen not to work with. There are clients that I have let go in the middle of working with them. And 
you know, it's, there's really no hard feelings. Like business is business. From a personal level, I enjoy and love every single person that I've ever worked with. I do I, to this day, all of them. Have there been clients where we just weren't a good fit because maybe we weren't so totally clear on core values or expectations? Yes, of course. That's a learning experience as you grow as a business owner. Um, but, you know, it, it really is just business. It's not, it's not that they're bad people. It's not that you don't like them. It's just like for a, a business fit, it's not the, the right move, especially for people that have their own happiness at the forefront of their minds. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, if anybody's listening to your podcast, that's thinking of, of entrepreneurship and wants to know what the biggest you know, benefit is, it's not the money. The money, the money's nice when you, when you figure out how to make it, right? Making the money is the easy part. Figuring out how is the hard part. <laughs> Now, it's the freedom, but it's also the happiness that comes with that freedom, right? If you're going into entrepreneurship thinking you're going to be working a nine to five, stay in your nine to five because you you do not work nine to five. I don't care who you are, what you do, unless you're at like way, 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 super big levels where you've got multiple businesses making millions a year. You're working a hell of a lot more than nine to five. I'm up by 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And I wake up with business on my mind because I love what I do. I'm going to bed at 11, 30, 12 o'clock with business on my mind. Now, granted, I'm spending time with the family and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting life that we choose. It's a really, really interesting life that we choose. We, we quit our nine to five to get freedom so we can work, you know, 90 to 100 hours a week. Well, I, I, the word you that was like stuck with me on that is freedom because when all when my whole situation was in the process of changing, I had a couple of realizations. I had a call with Wiley MacArthur and then I had a call with Doug Mitchell. And between the two of those, there was, and I think actually I had one with Jeremy too. I had, there was like two or three calls that everything I kept saying freedom. And you know, I don't know if you're super familiar with Wiley, but Wiley's like, all right. Uh, yeah, I love Wiley. He's like, trust your subconscious. What is it saying? I'm like, freedom. I don't know why he keeps saying that. I have no idea. And I always, in the back of my mind, I thought it was like financial freedom or time freedom. It wasn't. It was freedom to just do what I love and enjoy. And I think in another, in a weird level, and I, I heard myself say this yesterday when I was re-listening to my podcast with Miranda, of, I didn't even realize that I felt constrained, but this is the first time in my adult life that I've had my been able to come up with my own goals and vision and things like that. Nothing, but I, because I was in business with my husband for what for almost fourteen years. So no matter what my goals were, they were some sort of a like extension of his. So that's the freedom I needed. Wouldn't you lo- love? I mean, we're not we're not too far off in age from what you said earlier. So. Um, wouldn't you love to have realized this when you were Miranda's age? Oh my goodness. Yes. Like, like, first off, it's, that is, it's so hard for me to have to say that statement that way. Like it is so hard because I'm, I'm 35. I'll be 36 next month. And it's like, I know I'm still very young, but I look at Miranda, who's not even 30. And she's crushing it and she's happy. And I just sit there and think like, man, why did I not do this? And of course there's reasons for everything, mm-hmm. but man, I, and, and that's for another thing for your listeners. Like you don't have to think like me and think, God, I wish I would have done that. 
do it now. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're 70 years old. You want to live life on your own terms? Live life on your own damn terms. It's so important to do. Well, I look back. So today's my 40th birthday. And I'm looking back and I'm like, man, I spent almost half of my life dedicated to this. And in it, in one, I look at it, one aspect I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasted, you know, the like half of my my life. I didn't. Absolutely I did not. I've learned so many lessons and grown so much. And the things that I know and that I will accomplish are because of the things that I went through. That is a hard lesson to learn. That, that's <laughs> oh man, we're we're gonna get real deep, Lori. So I, I talked about what you just said on uh, another Apex member, Matt Rhoda. Uh, Matt Rhoda's got the Battlefield podcast. Matt lives not too far from me. We're great friends. Um, <clears throat> I, was, I went on his Battlefield podcast, and he, we wanted to, he wanted to talk about struggles that I've had and overcoming adversity. That's the whole theme of the podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. So he thought I was going to be going through the story of my little brother which I, I told it a lot. I have no problem telling it. It's been a big impactful moment for me. Um, but I, I hit a curveball. Hey, buddy. Your belly hurts? Maybe go sit down and watch your tablet for a minute. It's probably the three donuts. <laughs> um, but instead of telling that, I, sold this, I told the story of how I was trigger warning, sexually assaulted, and when I was a teenager. And I ended up wearing a wire. The FBI got involved. This guy has been tracked for all these decades and they couldn't ever get to him. Sodomy of a 12-year-old. I mean, just everything, like the most horrific, horrific crimes. Um, And I was the one that wore a wire and brought him down. Uh, He was supposed to die in prison. We thought he would. He lives about 10 minutes from my house now because he got out. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, yeah. Just waiting for that one day our cross pass or pass cross. but as Matt and I were talking, he asked the question and he said, you know, how do you think it affected you? And I said, basically what you said. I don't regret anything. And it's from an outsider who's never been through that or doesn't understand what we're saying. Like, it's hard to, to understand how somebody can go through something like that or losing their brother or both and not say, I wish none of it would have happened. And Yeah. There's a point, a part of me that wishes I didn't go through those things. There's always a part of me which is my little brother was still here. But also, going back to that happiness, Lori, I don't know if I'd be in this place if those things didn't happen to me. And honestly, I'd rather be in this place that I know with my wife and my kids and everything that I've built than I would any other life. So that's huge. I, I want all of your listeners to understand that too. Like own your stuff, own your struggle. If you went through hard stuff, think about where, where you would be if you didn't. Now it helps if you've found happiness and you like where you're at in life, but understand, like be proud of who you are. And that's how we get deep. I know. Well, I love that. And that's a super hard lesson for people to learn. And it's super like, interesting that you just said, shared that story because you're the third person over the last, I would say the last like five or six podcast episodes that has had a sexual assault story that said the same thing, that that is part of you and why you're where you're at and, you know, getting past that and 
or not. I mean, however, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and somebody said something about not getting past it, but working, working through it. I don't know. I don't remember how they worded it, but essentially. That, well, that was, that was me. Was that, that you? Okay. Yeah, that was, that was me. That, that was, what you just referenced is there was the moment that I learned about self-development and stuff like that. Um, through my, when my little brother passed and I listened to a Ted talk, it was, you don't move on from grief. You move forward yes. with, um, and, and that, that is so, so poignant and powerful. Um, but for me, the, the first, this is only the second time on air that I've ever told that, that story about myself, the sexual assault story. Um, I was 16, 15, 16 when it happened. The, the podcast that gave me strength, and I think I may have mentioned this podcast on our first episode, um, the Tim Ferriss show. It's one of the, one of the biggest podcasts in the, in the world right now. Tim Ferriss is a genuinely good hearted person who has built a wealth of money and knowledge. Um, I think estimates have him worth well over a hundred million. He's, he's now an angel investor. He's a younger guy, just the nicest he's had on Matthew McConaughey. He's had on the Koch brothers. I mean, just everybody, the guy's awesome. Uh, and one day he did an episode where he talked about his own sexual assault experience. And I guess I never realized just how profound that was for me because I look up to him so much and I've, I've learned a lot from his books and it's, it's just like one of those things, like we said, like, like see how effing powerful it is to tell your story because I thought Tim Ferriss had this perfect life. And, and honestly, he would probably say he does because he's, he's done so much and he's, he's happy. I mean, he's this guy. I don't, I think he even said like, he doesn't even have a TV in his house. Um, and I'm sure his house is huge, but Give me a couple hundred million. I'll have a big ass TV in every room. Um, <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I was like, yeah, in our house, we would. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, in the bathroom. watch TV. What yeah. the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's just so important to tell your story. Like that's it's such a powerful tool that everybody has is their story because everybody's been through stuff. Everybody. Well, you know, I see I see this referenced a lot on Facebook and in I think it was Million Dollar Mastermind 2021. And I saw someone reference this yesterday, which is why it's at the top of my mind. But it was Steve Weatherford talking about his story and his testimony and how that helped him grow. And I just I it's obviously it's not cool that these things happen to people, but it's cool to see when people can flip it and use it for good and to spread a message and to help other people grow and learn. And not have to deal with those same things. So, yeah, I think that's. <laughs> do we need a water refill? <laughs> we always need a water refill. The, the the water bottle is completely full, but she wants some of my Fiji water, which clearly you can't see because it's a green screen. There we go. I mean, I don't blame her. Fiji water is the best. It's my favorite too. The bottle's like five weeks old. I just fill it up with tap water. But it's a mental thing, right? You think it's like, oh, it tastes better because it's in the Fiji bottle. It, 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 everybody's like, how can you drink tap water? I was like, cause it's water. I was like, they're like, well, what about the filtered water? I was like, it's probably some guy in Pittsburgh filling up a bathtub, dumping water bottles in to just make a couple million bucks a year. Like, come on. Okay. I used to, this is like so off topic, but I used to not be able to drink tap water. And then we moved here and we live out in the middle of nowhere. And my father-in-law is like, we have good water here. And I'm like, no, no water is good water. And well, then I bet, I bet you got like spring water or something or it, well, or like stream. Once I like accepted it and tried it, I'm like, oh wow, it really it tastes 
because big city water, come on, it's not that great. And yeah, you, know, you, you have all the water. minerals and nutrients in there. It's 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 amazing. I, every yeah, people would say the same thing. How can you drink tap water? I was like, because I was in the navy for four years and I did deployments. Right, I'm drinking I'm drinking salt water that's like refurbished. Like you give me anything, I'll drink it. You're too grateful to have water. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's. I really do like the theme, the route that we're taking today, because it is your story is just so powerful. And every my, my four year old has a story that I think would impact people. Everybody has a story. The worst thing that anybody can do is to be ashamed of their story. And, and from a sexual assault standpoint, it's easy to be ashamed, especially, especially as a man. Mm-hmm. And yes, honey. Look at that. What is it? Let me say an apple. Honey, this is like an apple crumb. Do you want, <laughs> I, please don't eat that. Hide it. And this folks is reality. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hide it on the table. She still struggles with hiding things and hide and seek. We're trying to like teach her. <laughs> like she plays hide and seek. I'm like, all right, daddy will count. You hide. And then I'll open my eyes and she'll be like laying in the middle of the living room floor with her head down like this. Like, like as still as she can be. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll walk around for her for a little bit. <laughs> and then like, as soon as I walk by her, you can hear her go. <laughs> so this is the second time. In two episodes that I've compared my dog to your kid, but I'm going to do it again. So when we had our office in Grand Rapids, the FedEx guy would bring Cookie these big treats. Well, Cookie's a little dog. And if it's something that's not in small chunks, he won't eat it. He like thinks it's a toy, but he hides them. And he will like literally, he would hide it like in the middle of the room. And if anybody looked at it or picked it up, he would freak out. And it was the most hilarious thing. And so the ones that the FedEx guy gave him, he literally hid, you guys, I'm doing air quotes, in the chair right by the door so the FedEx guy could like know that he saw it was so funny but if anybody moved it he would freak out and grab it and go put it back in that chair but in his eyes it's hidden he's like oh nobody can see it it's camouflage so oh, kids funny. and dogs are funny <laughs> our um our old corgi boozer he, he my wife had him for I he was 15 when we had to put him down um he would Corgis are are interesting dogs. They're they're very corgi-ish. That's probably about the only you, like you can't you, you don't know until you've had one. They're they're something. Um, and every time like I would give Boozer like a piece of pizza crust because I, I I'm I'm one of those people that like I hate pizza crust unless it's stuffed crust. I don't eat the crust. Really? Um, yeah. So I'd like I'd like break it in half. I give it to the dogs. Well, Bailey, my gigantic lab, would just and, like swallow it whole. And then Boozer, every time you would give him a piece of food, he's like he was like a hoarder. He'd take it and go hide it. He wouldn't eat it. He would never eat it. So like every time we'd clean, like one day I found a piece of stromboli like wedged between. Yeah. Yeah. That we didn't even know he had. Right. So I was cleaning and I moved the bed out a little bit and the little bastard had it shoved between the bed, the head of the bed and the wall. Right. So I, we had no clue. This piece of stromboli was like behind our heads rotting and, and just like, I mean, it was like rock hard. You could have killed a moose with it. Right. <laughs> well, as soon as he heard the bed move, he was pissed. He was like, what? What is it? 
Your makeup thing. Okay, well, that's why we don't let Harper get our toys. Harper's still a puppy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as soon as he hears the bed move, he gets mad because he he knew that his Stromboli was behind my bed. Brindley, stop yelling at the dog. He knew that the, the Stromboli was behind the bed. I could hear him coming, but I couldn't move fast enough. And he bit me right on the back of the legs and then quick jumped up and grabbed the Stromboli and ran off growling. I was like, come on, dude. And it, it was like that every time we'd clean, we'd find new little food hiding spots of boozers all over the house. So corgis, don't ever get a corgi. I, I don't get me wrong. I love corgis. I think they're great, but I'm a big dog person. I'm a big, big. Have you ever person. seen a cowboy corgi? You think it's like a made up thing, but it's like a, a, a healer. Corgi? Yeah. A friend, I'll have to send you a picture. A friend of ours has one. And it's like a, a blue healer corgi mix or some, maybe no, that's not right, but that's what it looks like. And oh my gosh, that is the funniest, sweetest dog. Looking it up, right? Oh my God. Yes. So yes, I, it is, it is the Australian cattle dog. I, I have absolutely, I haven't seen one in person, but I've seen those pictures before. Those are awesome looking dogs. It's like, it, he looks awesome. like a healer, but like with the shortest legs and the biggest belt, it's so cute. Yeah. I, I was very like I, I was kind of happy that Elizabeth likes little dogs and she's, she's a Corgi girl in and out. We will, I have a feeling I'll always have Corgis. Um, but me, I, I'm always a dog with a purpose, a big dog, right? To me, Corgis, little dogs don't really serve a purpose, right? What can they do other than like, cause I, I, I like the outdoors. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to work. We can't now granted, Corgis are really, really good herding dogs, like too good. Like if if my three-year-olds or two-year-olds running around, Harper, the, the Corgi pipe, I'm up, like nip at her heels and try to get her to go in a certain direction. Like it's it's crazy. But so I have, I've always had big dogs. I've had shepherds. I've had labs. Um, my, my lab now, I, I'm like trying to convince myself we've got some time left with her, but she's got like i think she's losing she has a ruptured eardrum that we're trying to get fixed the vet like we're all trying to figure out what's going on um she's nine she's definitely getting slower and stuff and i had the conversation with elizabeth like look you know that when she goes after i've got some time to heal i was like we're getting another big dog she's like well do we really need a big dog yes yes you always need a big dog Right. Because I, one, when I travel, I want to know that something's going to be here to protect the family and big dogs are great. I know that my lab would not let anything happen to this family. Now, that being said, the best alert dog that we have is the Corgi. You can, you can't walk by 50 feet in front of this house without my dog going, that Corgi going ballistic. It's uh, terrific. Horrific. <laughs> Yeah, so we've always we, had about everything from sexual assault to corgis. This is a great episode. <laughs> you know what? We are embracing my ADD and sharing the message that you can have a podcast, even if you were like, "Woo!" All you over can't the place. Tell I have it too. <laughs> well, it's funny. So, you guys, before we hit record, I asked, "Are we picking a topic, or are we just going to roll with it?" And we decided to just roll with it. So, and it, like that—that's the craziest thing. Is like we—we've done two episodes now, or two and a half, or one and a half episodes, and we really haven't gotten into like really hardcore business stuff yet. 
Like that's that's why I'm having so much fun. That's why when at the after episode one ended, I was like, we will do as many episodes as we possibly can. Like I love coming on to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I well, and I think I was recording when I oh I was, but yeah, I got a lot of great feedback about it because people want to know what they want to hear real life. They don't. I don't edit out like. <laughs> The only thing I edited out from the last one was when was the water break water. Yeah. And it was like a minute and a half. And I'm like, okay, so that's all I'm going to edit out. But I, I, I'm going to focus on this again. Cause I think it is so incredibly important. We all have real life. You guys, I am in, I don't yeah. have my podcast studio yet. So I'm in like Taya's Minecraft room. The other side of the wall I'm looking at is Zine's hand painted Minecraft cubes because I don't have a podcast yet or podcast. Room. Minecraft room. My son, my son just got into Minecraft. Oh, well, then he'll love this. Hang on. Let me see if I can show you. Oh, I see it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And the you can't see it, but the electrical outlet, Dean painted like the TNT cube. So it's, oh, yeah. Jack, I, I don't want to paint over it because it's so cool. <laughs> Jack didn't like, like he just started being like his hands are just big enough to hold my PlayStation 5 controller. Like for the first, I, I mean, four years, I, I'd give him the turned off controller, the controller controller that didn't work and and he kind of practiced and now he's able to like actually learn to start playing and he's getting really good at it but he's also learning that like video game frustration uh-huh oh, it's, not, it's not good huh. it's I, I have to tell him i was like and then i feel so bad like so bad because i'll be like if, if you get frustrated at this level i'm gonna turn it off you're gonna take a break and then like that'll happen and then he'll be asleep and i'll be downstairs like with my headset on trying to play a game and my wife can hear me being like asshole <laughs> like screaming at the screen right and then i'll get a text and she's like remember do you need to take a break and turn it off like jack and i'm like shut up leave me alone <laughs> so but he's a good kid. he's minecraft is i don't even know how to explain it like, like the the craze around it okay is, but think of it this way when Taya was really into Minecraft, Dean is like, these kids are going to wind up like controlling the world. And now look at like crypto, oh, yeah. NFTs and all that stuff. It's like a giant game. of Dean, Dean's into all that. And I'm like, watching him do it and talk to these people. It's like a weird game of Minecraft. Like you have this picture, you need this picture. And then this, I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. I knew, I mean, it's first off, I've, I've been a gamer my entire life entire life and my entire life my dad was always why don't you go outside I'm like i do go outside you idiot what do you mean like i skateboard more than i play video games like shut up and and now at 35 my brother-in-law is also a very avid gamer and we play together and like we'll be at family events and we'll start talking about video games my dad's like oh, like you guys are a bunch of nerds and i'm like do you understand he said something about about how to any how can anybody, how can anybody make money off video games or anything like that? And we're like, we're like, if you had any idea how much money these kids are making off video games, you would quit your job and learn to play video games. Yeah, well, it's it, cool. it's, like it's yeah. really cool because you have to be like really intelligent. Like a lot of people say these professional gamers aren't athletes, and they absolutely are. The stamina they've got to deal with, the the brain power they've got to deal with, like that's. That's some serious talent. But from the commerce side, the business side, Brent, Jack, you're all right, buddy. From the business side of things, um, like just with Minecraft, somebody had the, the idea to monetize their creations and they're buying 
mega, mega nine figure mansions now because all they're doing, and this is the, this is the coolest part. They create something and then they just sell the template. And all these kids, all these kids have to do, if I understand correctly, are buy it. And then they just put it in their game with a code. And then they have this big ass city that was built one time by a person. He's making millions off of it. it it's a crazy world. Well, it, it goes back to follow your, your purpose. Cause who seriously, I'm looking at these little cubes and it's like, who would have thought that would be is like blow up as big as it did. And these people would make all this money to have kids like stacking weird little blocks. Like, if you have yeah. an idea, act on it, right? It's like Miranda's whole thing. Just do it. Put it out there that and is, see what happens. That is the, the true spirit of an entrepreneur. I just want to verify something before I, I say this, <laughs> which is something I never do because I usually think I'm always right. Um, okay. Yep, I think... Uh, yep, good. So... The mark of a true entrepreneur is somebody that can see the opportunity in almost anything. And some people are decent at it. Other people are really good at it. And Minecraft is one of those things where people just realized, holy shit, there's a market here. And they were kids that realized it was a market there. Kids. Yeah. Which is amazing. Like I'm ex- I'm, I am excited. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm excited for the day that the kids take over what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Excited. I want to see a young, I'm, I'm very young for the business that I'm in. I'm very young. Mm-hmm. I look forward to the day where I see a kid in his twenties go into business consulting and make hundreds of millions. I look forward to that. I want to see it. Um, but the greatest story of, of opportunity that, that somebody saw was for me, the pet rock and pet rock was way before I, I could even remember it. Um, but the guy looked at, looked at a rock. So I, and if, I think the story is correct. He, he saw his kid playing with a rock like it was a pet. And he was like, what a great idea. Right? And, and he did. He just gathered up some flipping rocks, marketed it, and, and made a ton of money. A ton of money. And then his kid was like, oh, I think my rock's dead. And he's like, boom, pet rock cemetery. And made even more money. Like history is filled with stuff like that. The inventor of the paperclip was a homeless guy. Really? That's the yeah, yeah. Here, here, here's how I know this. My knowledge of bullshit is limitless, <laughs> limitless. So we got like I, five episodes of, of your knowledge of BS. I know things that nobody should ever know. That nobody's ever going to ask me. That nobody ever cares about. Why? I'll tell you why. Because one day I was at Borders Books before it came Barnes and Noble. So this was a long time ago. And I picked up a book. I was a kid. And the book was called The Big Book of Losers. And I was like, this sounds hilarious. Right? I was like an eight-year-old kid at the time, maybe. It's like the big book of losers. This is great. And I, my mom bought it for me because what mother would not want their kid to read about a bunch of losers, right? Thanks, mom. <laughs> so she buys it for me. And in the book, they had a section of um, losers who went on to do great things. Now, a lot of the book was legitimate losers. 
And the the one was about the um the paperclip. And it was just a homeless guy sitting in an alley. And I hope it's correct, because if not, I mean, to be fair, guys, I'm literally saying that I got my knowledge from a book that was called The Book of Losers. So please, please, if you fact check me, be kind. Um, but the book said that it was a homeless guy that had just a little, a little metal rod and he bent it and realized that it was great for holding like trash together as he was collecting trash. Well, he got that idea in his mind. He's like, wait a minute. I should try to sell this. And I don't know if he got it patented, but I think he did sell the rights to somebody and got enough to just get out of homelessness. Now, what made him the loser, if now that I'm saying it, is probably that he didn't get it patented because he would have been, his, his family would be one of the richest family in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff like that happens all the time. Like, like that's, there's opportunity all around, all around. If anybody wants to be an entrepreneur, just find an opportunity. There's a market for everything. Well, I think reinvent the wheel, but well, I I think part of it is goes back to like our our wiring as kids is we don't think that our ideas have potential because like a paperclip or a bunch of stacky blocks on a video game. Um, But there's potential in everything. Like I know I've had ideas. Most of mine are like about posts and stuff. Uh oh, what are your? I wish you guys could see his face right now. Oh, can you not see my face? Oh no, oh no, you're you're gonna have to. Hold on one second. I found the book. <laughs> I found it. Oh my gosh. Publisher, DC Comics, February 1st, 1997. <laughs> I can't believe I found it. Okay. Let me see if I can find some of the stories that were in this book. That is awesome. I love the direction this is taking. See you guys. This is like this is be authentic. Be a hundred, a hundred and ninety-two pages in nineteen ninety-seven. I would have been ten years old, so I was a little off on age. Ten years old, and this is absolutely one hundred percent. Wow! I wish I kept that book. <laughs> is it super expensive now? Oh my gosh! It's like fifty bucks. Oh no, that's if you do, do it from there. For, all right, so it's twenty bucks from on on, on Prime for paperback. Um. Yeah, keep keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find some of the stories in here. No, get a kick out of them. No, I'm just saying it, it, it's simple as like I've had ideas for Facebook posts. I mean, we're not even talking business. We're just talking like a Facebook post that I put off because I'm like, oh, nobody would like that. And then I see somebody else that has said the exact same thing, and I'm like, man, that could have been my like, I could have that could have been something I registered trademark or whatever. So. You know, the the paperclip guy, the Minecraft person, the, you know, the whoever started the fancy reusable cup trend, because I have tons of these that are, you know, like all the things. If you have an idea, act on it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And and now. That was in 1901. Wow. Okay. The big book of losers is a liar. Do not use the big book of losers. Because as it stands, I'm looking at in a University of New Hampshire article about who actually invented the paperclip. Uh, <laughs> I was wrong. Hold on. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a homeless guy that invented something just so I have some vindication here. Man, that worries me because I've based so much of my life and knowledge off of the big book of losers from when I was 10 years old. 
Like it lit, it legitimately sounds like I'm joking, but I can't tell you how many times I've told the paperclip story because I believed even into my adult life that a homeless man invented the paperclip. Thank goodness I looked it up because you you, put, you would have gotten slammed for like, this guy doesn't know anything. Uh, okay. And you guys, welcome to the rabbit hole. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what I need to rename the podcast, the rabbit hole. <laughs> that, oh, that's good. Okay. So of course, like the first person that comes up is John Paul DeJoria. Um, which that, that'll be a good lesson here now. So, uh, and a little bit of a callback for what you said, cause I know we're coming up on 10 o'clock here. Um, we mentioned about the freedom that entrepreneurship brings and we were talking about Tim Ferriss. We we're talking about all those other people, but Mark Cuban on shark tank said one of my favorite quotes, and I'm going to paraphrase here <laughs> because my track record for factual stuff right now on this podcast is like, Oh, and a hundred now. Um, the, well, I think it was Mr. Wonderful who I, he's an ass, but I love Kevin O'Leary. Um, I've seen him speak. I've seen him speak ass. live and he was like the nicest person ever. We're looking at him. Oh, like, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, like I, I, I love him to death. I, I think he's an awesome, very intelligent person. And he does like, he makes shrewd deals, but the shrewdest deals he makes are the ones where you can see him and he knows he's going to make that money back quick. And he's going to make that person very, very, very rich. Yep. Um, but anyway, so they were, they were arguing back and forth and the, one of the sharks offered a guy a deal that was basically, he's going to buy this company and then send him on his way. That was the deal that the shark made. And the guy said, no. And Kevin O'Leary was like, that's a terrible, terrible idea. And Mark Cuban chimed in. Okay, honey. Mark Cuban chimed in and said, you know what? I would rather make 30, something, something like some low number, something like $40,000 working for myself than I would $300,000 working for somebody else. Now, John Paul DeJoria. Uh, I discovered John Paul DeJoria when he was on Shark Tank. And for any of your listeners and for you too, Laurie, um, which now just, as soon as I said, Lori, I was like, oh my gosh, am I talking to a shark tank? The, one of the sharks. And I realized, no, you could be. So yes. Oh, you have a gallon water bottle too. I love yeah, mine. I, I use the opportunity to sneak out and grab it. <laughs> that's, that's the exact one I have, except it's not pink. Oh, well, it's funny because my episode with Miranda, she has the exact same one, same color and everything. We were laughing about it. Yeah. My, my scuba dive. Those, those are actually getting like really, really popular. Um, my scuba diving instructor has the exact same model and everything too. Uh, but anyway, so John Paul DeJoria, one of my favorite, favorite episodes of Shark Tank, and probably, my, no, actually my favorite moment of Shark Tank was this one. Uh, it was a farmer who created a, I think he called it the tree TP. I've seen that where, one. Yeah, so, so you saw where everyone's like, I'm sorry, the margins aren't there. I can't give you the money. I can't give you the money. Uh, and John Paul DeJoria was like, you know what? I don't care. I'll give you exactly what you want. He said, because they kept, and one of the, the most powerful moments for me in that episode, Lori, was when, I mean, DeJoria knew what, what this guy's priorities were. He knew what his core values were. And I think that's why he, he invested. Um, but the guy, they were like, well, you're not making any money. And the guy said, I'm not in this to make money. I'm in this to help farmers. So anyway, so the guy does the, the tree TP. And that moment with DeJoria gave me such a big respect for him 
And all I knew is that he created Paul Mitchell. But I didn't real. And now DeJoria has a lot more than just Paul Mitchell. He's got, I, I want to say Patron. Um, he's got a bunch of brands. I, th- I think Patron's him. But I watched his, his story. And you want to talk about from like true American dream. DeJoria was homeless, sleeping in his car. His wife had left him. And he took like his last 20 bucks, parlayed it into 720, and then just kept going and going and going. And now he's one of the, I mean, I mean, it's Paul Mitchell. Mm-hmm. It's Patron. He mm-hmm. owns mega, mega, mega brands. So, you know, the moral of the story is, even if you are in the big book of losers, like I believe that the paperclip guy was, you can make a difference. There you go. That's my I, roundabout way. In all I'm going to research that because I feel like there, there's got to be something to the story. We're going to validate your, your years of believing the well, book. Please, please just give me, give me one true story that was in there. And I will feel like my whole childhood was not a lie. I'm, I'm telling you, I could, I was heartbroken when I Googled it. I should have never Googled it. I should have just stayed wrong my entire life. So I was like, <laughs> I was using that as inspiration for so many years. I was like, if a homeless guy can create the paper clip, imagine what Kyle can do. Okay. Well, now I'm like, well, it this way. Imagine whoever created the big bo- the big book of losers or whatever it's called. They made a ton of money on something that they thought was a good idea, even though it I'm, turned I'm out gonna to, I'm lies. Gonna have to research it. Now. Thanks, honey. You, I love when you scream. It's fun. <sighs> well, that's that's about it for episode two. Yeah, I love it. I'll, I'll schedule episode three as soon as we get off of here. Do it. Well, eventually we're going to get to business stuff. It, we, we might go to like episode seven. <laughs> a few years. Yeah. Six years from now, we'll be like, hey, we're finally getting to, to business strategies. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's fantastic. It's always good talking to you, Laurie. Yeah. Well, this is super fun. I'm super excited. And maybe I'm not sure when tickets are going on sale, but you guys, if tickets are on sale for the yeah, October so event. Really? You, I'm trying to sell stuff. Give me a break. <laughs> please. Please. I'll buy you more crayons if you let me plug my event on Lori's podcast. <laughs> Can you go watch your tablet for two minutes? You want me to hold your broken crayon? Okay. There we go. I'm holding her broken crayon. Yeah, you guys buy tickets. So, so Kyle yeah. can buy more crayons. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, that is probably where the money's going to go. Because <laughs> my daughter cannot use a broken crayon. And of course, all we have are broken crayons. Um, so the date of the event is October 20th. The the date has been soft held at the venue. I need to put the deposit down, but that should be happening very soon. Um, that venue um, looks amazing. At, I totally looked it up. It so a, a bit of a backstory about the, the the venue. It's called Mickey's Black Box. It's in Lidditz or Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's on the Rock Lidditz compound. The the venue is created by uh, Michael Tate, Mickey Tate. And Mickey Tate is part of the Tate brother or Tate Towers, who does all the stage work um, for like the Super Bowl shows for Elton John, Billy Joel, the biggest acts in music. Like routinely, Lady Gaga's at the compound, Justin Bieber, Elton John, Billy Joel, Aerosmith. So the venue is a world class small stage venue. Love that, uh, and it's it's amazing. Uh, so October twentieth is the event. We are going to have an absolute last of a lineup with speakers we're going to do breakout sessions for vips 
We've got the venue until 11 o'clock. So after we're going to get a wind down break where people can go back to their hotel room, stuff like that. Um, and then they're going to come back for the VIP only after party. We are looking for some pretty cool, cool live event for uh, the VIP after party. Um, that's going to go to about 11. We've got four fully stocked bars. We've got some of the best food you can ever imagine for the lunch for every single guest, whether you're GA or VIP, it doesn't matter. Um, the theme of the event is going to be all about business and personal development. It's got a big, a very heavy business focus because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. um, the last event we had about, I think between the live, uh, the live stream and the in-person, we had about a little over a hundred people that, that attended, whether it's virtual or in-person. Um, that venue seated 170. This venue can seat up to 600, and we're going to be doing everything we can to push that number as hard as we possibly can. Um, there is a celebrity guest MC. I am not releasing who that is until I have a lot of other details confirmed, but that person is confirmed. He will be there as the celebrity guest MC. Um, tickets are going to go on sale. I'm going to make a decision on price point for tickets very soon, and pre sale is going to launch probably, uh, depending on when you air this, they may have launched already. Um, and I will keep everybody posted. Laura, you'll get first dibs. So I know you're there. And also, if you want to sponsor, you know, you can. Yeah. I, like I told you, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Maybe it'll be yeah. the rabbit hole podcast. I totally Bring already it, looked it, to see if that was a thing. I'll put it this way. If you sponsor at the right amount and you get it done in time, you can put your book in the swag bags. I love it. And only VIPs get the swag bags. Oh, so. there's my like... Mother. Yeah, yeah. So there's that's my uh breakdown of the Slaymaker Success Summit for 2023. I love it. Well, I can't wait. And if tickets have been released by the time I air this, I will put that in the description. Um, and if not, I'll come back and edit it when they do release. But perfect. perfect. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming back on. Uh book the next one. Let's do it again. Awesome. All right, Lori, take care and thank you very much for having me. All right, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of All About the Benefits. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Until next time, friends.